The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck.
This is The Antidote. I'm Dave Hawkins. I want to say hello to our regular listeners here on Trent Radio and to our new listeners who find us now at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Effect Radio Network. If you tuned into The Antidote last week, you heard the first installment of this two-part series about luxury. And yeah, I'm talking about the band, not the lifestyle. Tonight's first song was The Latest and Greatest, the title track off the band's 1996 album. That song has really nothing to do with the abilities of luxury, but it easily could have because this is a band with significant talent. That talent is also seen in the new feature-length documentary, Parallel Love, the story of a band called Luxury. Produced by Matt Hinton, a filmmaker and also a member of Luxury. Last week, Matt and I chatted about the early days of Luxury and their debut album on Tooth & Nail Records. Over the next hour, Matt and I try to cover a couple of decades worth of the band's history and, of course, Matt's documentary. Here's our next part of that talk, and from Luxury's superb 2019 album, Trophies, is the song Parallel Love. Why don't we lighten things up a bit, and I'll give you a really easy question. Sweet. How did you become a member of Luxury? Uh, I was around. I mean, basically, is all it. <laughs> you were just I available, was... but you weren't yeah. on Craigslist. No, 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 this is before Craigslist anyway, but... You know, I played in a band uh, called Piltdown Man, and my band uh, played with Luxury a good bit. If there was such a thing as two bands being best friends, that would have been that would have been true of us. And uh, I mean, so much so that every so often, when one of us, one of our bands, had a a concert, like a show booked, that eventually turned out we couldn't honor, like the one of the bands couldn't honor. Uh, we would offer that slot to the other band. Now, if the other band couldn't do it, then those members of both bands who were available would create a third band that we called Metropolitan. And Metropolitan was like a shape-shifting various members of these two bands together. Uh, And so some of the songs on that first luxury record actually came out of Metropolitan stuff that that we had done and, you know, Lee being in Metropolitan sort of formed that. Anyway, we had sort of that type of relationship. And when the third album was recorded, and I had I had played a little bit on the second record and on the third record, just sort of visiting the studio and they would hand me the guitar and, and I would play something. But by the third record, a lot of the music became more involved and there was sort of a, a thought that that A, it would be good to be able to do some of the stuff on this recording that wouldn't be able to pull off without another guitar player. And Lee, I think, felt inhibited a little bit by having to play guitar throughout songs. He liked the idea of being able to sort of sling the guitar down and and play without the guitar sometimes. So for performance purposes, it was uh, expedient to have another guitar player come in. And uh, so I was, I think that was just sort of in the right place and the most obvious person around. So, yeah. Interesting that you brought up the point about the band name Metropolitan, because that's also a song from Luxury on the latest and the greatest. Is Is that the connection? uh, I I think that Lee named that song uh, 
which he hates, by the way. That's, I think, his least favorite song. In, <laughs> but um, uh, I think that, yeah, that, that came after uh, we had that band name. I think that it was somewhere, uh, I mean, part of it is that I lived on a street in Atlanta called Metropolitan. And I think that that was probably the direct influence. And there may have been something in a uh, Whit Stillman film called Metropolitan that that might have influenced it as well. I don't recall, but yeah. Now, I've been neglecting your documentary about luxury. Yeah. The website gives this synopsis. Parallel Love, the story of a band called Luxury, follows the path of luxury, a band from small-town Georgia who, on the cusp of success, suffer a devastating touring wreck with long-term consequences. In the intervening years, they continue to make records, and three members of the band become Eastern Orthodox priests. If you took that premise to Hollywood, they'd laugh and tell you it wasn't a believable story. Right, right. Yep, it's a weird one. I mean, which is why, you know, like I never would have made a movie about my own band. That's a really lame thing to do because it feels so sort of self-promotional and what have you. But when we were making the most recent record, well, it was the first time that we had made an album uh, with three priests. And um, and I just said, oh, this seems like I'm sure that this is interesting. And I had made a movie before a documentary about sacred harp singing. So I sort of knew how to make a movie. And I said, Hey fellas, y'all mind if I like have a guy come and like document the recording of this album and, um, and the writing process and all of this. And, and they said, yeah, I think not really believing that it would like anything would come of it. And, um, over time it just became more and more obvious that I really was going to do it. But I did it, I mean, truly, just because I thought it was an interesting story.
Unparalleled Love can't be aimed just at luxury fans. So who comes to the screenings? Uh, so the screenings that I've been to, it's been a, a fairly broad swath of folks. Um, I think that there's sort of this general crowd that are either uh, luxury fans or broadly kind of people who are aware of Christian rock music and that they found something interesting about it enough to come out. So that on one hand, then you had sort of general kind of rock and roll people who were interested in it as a story because they saw the trailer or something. And uh, then there are Orthodox people, right, who maybe have no interest at all in like Christian rock music or whatever, but are Eastern Orthodox and see that it's a story about Eastern Orthodox priests. And then there are the, the sort of broader swath of people who are just interested in a good story. And... Uh, so those are the types that we saw, but I was very deliberate about not making a movie for luxury fans. That was that had to be the last concern on my mind because those people were going to like it anyway. So I had to be more interested in in like okay, somebody who didn't know anything about this band, what would be compelling? That was the aim. Beautifully delicate song, Words of Mouth, from the Trophies album. Now Matt shares about the differences between music and film. Then we'll follow up with Euphrates with the Golden Hands from the Luxury self-titled release. Since you've been through both experiences, maybe you can tell us, are there similarities between 
recording an album and creating a film? Uh, there are some similarities. Um, it depends on how you're making the film. In my case, I was doing 90% of the work. And so it was more kind of my vision for it than in a band context where it's more collaborative. And in our case, like, if Lee doesn't like something, it's just not going to happen. Even though we're fairly democratic, if there is a band leader, then it's Lee. Um, but generally, making a record is quite collaborative. People are writing their own parts and, and so on. And, um, and there can be times where you're... Um, you know, disagreeing with each other or pushing against each other and like, you know, with the intent being to make the record better. So in my case, making this film, I didn't necessarily have, like, it wasn't collaborative in that way. Though I certainly was showing it to people and having other editors come and work on it some and that kind of thing um, to make sure that there were some other eyes on it because, you know, you can't really trust yourself like that. But all of that being set aside it's so much more difficult to make a movie. It's not even funny. Like, it's ridiculous. Especially like, like a feature-length documentary. It's so much more complicated because there are just so many more aspects to it. Uh, it's not easy to tell a story and have it be interesting at the same time and to be concerned with the visual side of it as well as the audio and not just the technical side, but the actual content of what's being said, what's the most efficient way of telling the story, and how do you tell the story when, after all, all you're using is are these interviews of other people saying stuff that, like, well, you can sort of try to push it in the direction you want it to go, but ultimately you're using other people's words to make whatever larger point you're trying to make. So sometimes I tell people it's like writing a, a very long essay uh, using only quotes from other people that you copy and paste together. But to make a, something that's foundationally, fundamentally different than the single point that any of them were making. It sounds like this was a huge trial, but you came into this project with eyes wide open because you'd already had your first documentary out. Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, as much as a, a woman who is pregnant for the second time goes into that, like there, I think that there's like some sort of amnesia that occurs uh, where after you've given birth one time, at that moment you're saying never again, I'll never do this again, and then like thankfully after a little while you kind of forget about the pain and then you can have another kid. <laughs> Similarly, uh, you know, like it had been a while since I'd made a movie and I thought, okay, well I know how to do it now. I'll be able to to finish it in about, you know, six or seven months, something like that, which wound up being a complete joke. It was closer to, you know, a year and a half or so.
first luxury album you were a part of, Matt, didn't come out until 2005. That was 10 years after Luxury's debut album. How did Health and Sport compare to that debut? Uh, well, it was different in a variety of ways. It was a more serious record, by far. Uh, the first record, there was a lot of humor in it. It didn't take itself real seriously. Health and Sport is serious and it sounds serious, if that makes sense. I think it has maybe more artistic pretensions about it than the 
first record did. Uh, first record was sort of fun and games, and was and was born out of the live experience. It was sort of here's a song, let's play this at the next show, and that develops and develops and winds up going on to the first record. But with health and sport, it was primarily stuff that had not been tested live and was more of a studio type project. And it was the first time that we truly produced ourselves. Mainly it was Jamie at the helm and doing most of the production work there, recorded in an attic in a, upstairs of a place in downtown Toccoa, Georgia, in the middle of summer. So it was like a miserable experience, the actual recording of it. Um, it was just all kinds of weird things that we were doing. But uh, in some ways a noisier record, like a lot of sort of experimental type stuff going on with it um, but then other stuff that was like very recognizable uh, as luxury uh, that you got to know on the first record so yeah I mean definitely like there were some themes on this record that were I don't want to call it a midlife crisis record it wasn't really that but it was kind of a identity crisis record I think um, I mean in Lee's life he had found himself doing a job that didn't make any sense for him to be doing that uh, involved him traveling some and so forth and um, made him reflect in a way that was kind of different than he had done previously. For the record, whereas uh, Metropolitan is, I think, Lee's least favorite song, Health and Sport as a record, I'm pretty sure is Lee's favorite record by luxury. And it's certainly, I really like it a lot as well. It's it didn't get distributed as widely as, as we had hoped, but, uh, but it's a good one.
This is Matt Hinton from Luxury, and you have found The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Definitely an artistic track. We headed back to 2005 for Diary Standard, I See the Signs, heard on the Health and Sport release. I asked Matt about the length of time to release trophies, and I guess just to mess you up, I'll bring in the four quartets off Health and Sport. A few years back, I kept hearing news of a new luxury album, but I was never able to track it down. Then in 2019, Trophies was released to the public. So you kept it under wraps, like, all those years? Yeah, I mean, it seems sort of goofy now, but the idea was um, when we made that record, so the way that we made it was totally independently and by uh, doing a Kickstarter campaign, and so crowdsourcing the funds to make it. So we made it, and and of course I was documenting the making of that record, which winds up being kind of the third act of of the film of Parallel Love. So it seemed to us like it would make sense from a like we've never been very like savvy from a marketing point of view to us that well like now maybe a good time if we're going to put this energy into this stuff we may as well like do it as well as we can and so what we decided was that it'd be a good idea to release the album and the film at more or less the same time and and again remember i had told them that it would only take me you know a few months to make it and so after probably a year or so the guys were starting to get antsy. I was feeling guilty that I was like holding off the release of that record. And, um, but then again, at that point, it's like, well, we've waited this long. We may as well just wait until it's out. So yeah, that's what that was about. And the way that you heard about it in the first place is because we had an obligation to the Kickstarter supporters to, um, release it to them so we'd send them copies of it or whatever. And so there was like this, a group of people that heard it in whenever it was, 2017 or whatever. Um, but that we didn't actually release it until this past year. If it was a great idea retrospectively, but that was the purpose.
Something about trophies that I find interesting is that many of the songs like Parallel Love, Trophies, and Don't Feel Bad If You Don't Feel Better Right Away, they all speak about looking at the past. So is this age-related? Uh, I mean, you have to ask Lee, but I, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that probably, you know, when you haven't made an album in a while and now you're a priest and like it starts to, your identity starts to get sort of mixed up a little bit and, um, or you sort of start to question like, how did I get here? Which inevitably causes you to look back and sort of retrace your steps somewhat I mean, one of the lines in trophies is, and it comes up a few places, like clothing. I don't know if you noticed this theme, but him talking about clothing comes up a few times on the record. I remember talking to him about it. He said that that whereas, and I had mentioned this a, a while back, but in the in the 80s, it was the case that you pretty much knew what a person was like based on how they dressed, particularly if they were sort of more kind of alternative in a way if they were wearing, you know, a band t-shirt or whatever it was, like that signified something. A girl wearing um, a skirt and combat boots, these days you wouldn't blink your eye at that. But in the 1980s, it's like, oh, what's going on here? What is this? Who's she? Like, that's that's interesting. And um, But what he realized that that was the case when he was growing up in the 80s, like in high school in the 80s, um, but now, as a priest, this is the first time he's been in a situation in a while where the way that he dresses communicates something about identity. And that, to me, is pretty interesting as well, in addition to the sort of retrospective turn that the lyrics have taken. Yeah. 
That was the title track from Luxury's Trophies album, an absolutely gorgeous release. I suppose we all wonder how different our life could have been if we'd made different decisions. That's the question I raise with Matt Hinton. I think you sort of half raised this point. Has there ever been one of those what-if moments for Luxury? You know, like, what if the accident didn't happen? What if we didn't go into the priesthood? What if the band had gone to the top of the music scene? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that different guys in the band address that question kind of differently in a way. When I was interviewing them, I um, asked everyone if they had it to do over again, would they uh, have the wreck occur? I mean, on one hand, it was like, duh, of course not. But it's not obvious uh, that that's the case. Like, if you're able to see a line in your life of causation then maybe enough positive came out of it to make it worth it uh jamie for example is pretty clear about the idea that he does not think that he would have gone on to be a priest had it not been for the wreck wow um and therefore he would absolutely have it happen again lee uh i think doesn't really think that way as much um he didn't have very much fun during or after the wreck. So I think that he's hesitant to wish that upon himself again, but because um, that was, that was a tough period for him for sure. Though, did it lead to him being a priest? You know, who could say that like, it's a, a chain of causation that would be difficult to, to sort out. Yeah. So that would be a, one of those occasions that is, um, a moment, a what-if moment, as you put it. Like, what if that didn't happen? What would have happened? Yeah, it's hard to know, like, how much promotion, how much could luxury have ever made it in the Christian scene uh, under the best circumstances? Um, It's clear enough that luxury did not make it. And uh, so if luxury hadn't signed to tooth and nail, what would have happened? Well, like, on one hand, it's very possible that Luxury would have done another self-released kind of CD, and then that would have been it. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that they might have signed to a, a bigger and, and better label and, and might have become something bigger than the band became. So it's really hard to know. I mean, particularly among the priests, I don't think that there's any of them who are the least bit dissatisfied with the way that 
things turned out in that regard. Um, I think that they're content being priests and that they understand that to be their, you know, true vocation. And it's not obvious if the band became really big that that would have happened eventually, you know, humanly speaking, it's hard to know. So in that sense, it's a happy ending.
You Must Change Your Life from the Trophy's release. That was a song destined to be written concerning the changes in the lives of the band members of Luxury. Next time on The Antidote, I'm going to carry on with this unintentional theme of significant bands of the 90s. Huntington's, with their sound-alike Ramon style, come to The Antidote for a talk about the band's history and how, after a 15-year music absence, have released their new album, Moreto Carcel o Rock and Roll. We're getting close to the end of tonight's show, so we'll finish with Matt sharing about the future of luxury and the song Museums in Decline, our last song from the Trophy's release. And we'll see you again next week. What about down the road? Is there a future for luxury? Yeah, I mean, I think that this, uh, that the experience of this last record and particularly the film uh, has sort of awoken uh, an interest in the band and um, well, both in the band from other people as well as within the band uh, in continuing. So uh, we have every intention of making another record probably this year. And um, we've gotten together once to rehearse and write new songs. And, you know, they're good. Like, it's going to be like this record will be at least as good as trophies, probably better. And um, though we've got a good bit of, you know, a way to go ahead of us. We haven't recorded anything yet. Uh, we're going to need to figure out where the money's coming from on that for sure. And then secondarily, we're, we were asked to play a festival in Birmingham in September and uh, somehow we agreed to do that. So we're, <laughs> we have a, well, it's, you know, there are three of us who are always game, always up for playing a show. And then a couple of us are less susceptible to the charms of that. And, um, but somehow they caught us on a good day. So we'll be playing in September uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. And there may be one or two other shows that occur around that time as well. So we'll see what comes of it. Cool. Matt Hinton, director of the documentary Parallel Love, the story of a band called Luxury, and guitarist for the band, has been with The Antidote for a Talk. Matt, thanks for everything that you do. Thank you.
Cause I 